So as we come to the word of God, let us pray together. Lord, as we have just seen, most of us go through something like that every morning, just the basic routine mundane things of life that are common in our human experience. And Lord, I pray as we come to your word today that you would teach us about your presence in precisely those moments, how you infuse this ordinary world with your grace and your goodness and your love. So Father, I'm an ordinary man with a common sinful nature. It's common to all of us. So take these broken and fallible words, Lord, and you use them today so that you alone would be honored and glorified. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. And now out of reverence for the word of God, would you stand for the reading this morning as we come to it in Mark, the gospel of Mark chapter six. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. This is the word of the Lord today for you as people. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would plant it in you such that you more and more understand the presence of Jesus in your common, ordinary life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So ever since my, our family <clears throat> moved to Orlando, we've lived in the same neighborhood. We live over in Baldwin Park. It's about four miles east of here. We've kind of seen that whole development grow up around us. But one of the features of this little neighborhood, we kind of live on the front side, and it's, it's a pretty big neighborhood, but we live on the front side, and there's a street that kind of runs a long way that kind of splits the front side in half. And the name of the street is Common Way. And I walk on Common Way probably, you know, two or three times a week. And I gotta tell you, for a long time, the name of the street kind of disturbed me. I was like, who planned this? Who, who named this street? Like, who wants to live on Common Way? I mean, doesn't Common Way intersect with Boring Avenue and Dull Street? Like, I don't wanna live on Common Way. I wanna live on Uncommon Way. Why didn't they name it Brilliant Way? I mean, you're gonna sell a lot more homes, right? Name it Fabulous Way, but don't, don't name it Common Way. Who wants to live on Common Way? But I just realized that's kind of part of our human nature, isn't it? We love flashy. We love big and bright and extraordinary. We don't necessarily aspire to just be average. I remember these old commercials, this is four or five years ago, and there were these kids on there and they were advertising for a job search uh, engine and they are interviewing these little kids. And this one little boy goes, when I grow up, I wanna get stuck in middle management. I wanna be forced into early retirement. 
I want to top out at minimum wage. Right, and you're, they're just playing on that. Nobody aspires for those things. Nobody, nobody aspires. I want to be mundane in life. Man, my goal is to be average. But when you look at it, the reality is, no matter what our gifts or skills may be, we all lead kind of a common, ordinary life. In fact, there was a movie years ago that won the Academy Award, and it was about this extraordinary family. And they were so successful. The dad was this well-known doctor, made a lot of money, huge house, big affluent neighborhood. The wife was this kind of socialite philanthropist who went to all these nonprofit things and was helping people. The son was a gifted, award-winning sailor, just an incredible, extraordinary family. But then tragedy strikes and the movie dives down into this family and its inner workings. And what you discover at the end of it is that in spite of the extraordinary things on the outside, when you pull the curtain back, they were just as ordinary as the rest of us. And that movie was called Ordinary People. We may aspire to greatness, but when we go home behind our doors at night, we're just doing the common ordinary things of trying to figure out how to live in this life. So if, if we're not extraordinary, if we understand that our life is pretty common, then my goodness, we want an extraordinary God. And we want our relationship with him to be dynamic. We want him to indeed be majestic and glorious. That's what we expect of God. And he is all those things. But we also see as we just celebrated at Christmas, that there are also parts of God in his nature and his being that are quite common and ordinary. Jesus in Mark 6 in verse 1 goes back to his own country. He goes back to Nazareth. And you would have thought, given what he's done in the first five chapters, that he would have gotten a hero's welcome. This would have been like LSU going back to Baton Rouge after the game Monday, right? I mean, big celebration, but, but Jesus shows up. You'd think they'd go, Jesus, that's our boy. You know, he's, he's from here, but they don't do that. They go, isn't, isn't that Mary's son? Isn't he a carpenter? And it says they're offended by him. And the word in Greek that means offense literally means scandalized. They think Jesus is scandalous. So they're not just turning away from his words, from what he's saying. They're turning away from him personally. They're rejecting him and saying, we don't want any part of it to the extent that Jesus can't even do any miracles. And all this is all the more, you know, confusing because he's just cast out a bunch of demons. He's just healed a bleeding woman. He's just raised a little girl from the dead and they're offended. And you read that and you go, what, what in the world are they offended by? What did Jesus do to be offensive? Well, we know in the gospels, what did Jesus say? He said in the gospel of John, just as the world hated me, it's gonna hate you. If they're offended by me, they're gonna be offended by you. So just know that if you're truly walking with Jesus Christ, at some point you're gonna offend somebody just by his presence in your life. And if you haven't offended anybody, I think you should ask some questions about your own faithfulness because Jesus just by definition is offensive in this dark and sinful world that we live in. But in this moment, what is it in particular that's offending the people in his hometown? And the answer is his ordinariness. 
They look at Jesus and they go, he's Mary's son. He's a carpenter. In other words, the people are in, in his hometown are going, he's just a guy. And every one of those statements that they make, Mary's son, a carpenter, and then his brothers and sisters over there, there there's a lot underneath that. When they say he's Mary's son, that's actually a slap at the illegitimacy of his birth. Because in those days, you never introduced somebody that way. You never said, this is, you know, this is Joe, son of Mary. It was always the son of the father, son of Joseph, son of Benjamin, son of Daniel. But they say, isn't that Mary's son? They're going, see, he's so common that he's illegitimately born. There's no way that an illegitimate child could be all revered in doing these messianic things. And then they say, isn't he a carpenter? Well, carpentry, while a respected trade, was not one of intellectual training. And so they were essentially saying, you're not at the same level as the religious elites. You're not at the same level as the religious leaders that everyone respects and reveres in our community. You're not like that. And so they're saying there's, I don't care what you're telling me he's done. Jesus is just flat out too ordinary for us to ever believe that he's really the son of God. And to be honest, sometimes I think we find that offensive in and of itself, that Jesus is in fact in his earthly existence, he's just so ordinary. We just came through Christmas. He's born in a stable and meager circumstances. He's homeless the first two or three years of his life. And we're going, you know what? We'd prefer much more flashy. We want power and majesty and glory. And yes, God in Christ is all those things. He's fully human and fully divine, but I want you to understand why his coming into this ordinary world in such an ordinary way is such incredible good news. You know why? Because when he comes in an ordinary way into our ordinary world, he makes sacred all of our boring, routine, mundane, ordinary lives. He infuses our ordinariness with his presence and by infusing them in that way makes us capable of kingdom things. So for the next 10 weeks, we're gonna be looking at all the ordinary things that we do in life, the ordinariness that we possess as human beings. Because what we've been talking about all through the fall is we wanna be first loved deeply by God. We wanna know his nurture and his love, and then he's gonna send us out because that's the other half of the gospel. We're loved, but then God says now, not because you're trying to earn your salvation, but he says, I've, I've called you to be loved by me. Now go be about my kingdom, be about my business as I've loved you. Now you go and love others. But here's the incredible thing. Where do you think that happens? When we talk to you about go live missionally, your family and your neighborhood and vocation. There's nothing particularly glamorous about that, is there? When you and your neighbor are talking in the alley as you pull your trash out, there's nothing glamorous about that. It's just what people do. It's in the common things of life. But even in those common things, Jesus makes the ordinary holy and sacred because he's in it. 
He's in it. So let's look at Mark 6 and understand this ordinariness of Christ. First, I think we have to realize that the message of the gospel is pretty ordinary. It's really not complicated or complex, but because it's so ordinary, people get offended by it. I mean, the message of the gospel is what I asked our covenant partners, question number one. Do you understand you're a sinner in the sight of God and without hope for your salvation except by God's mercy? That's essentially the message of the gospel. I got no shot at saving myself. So I need God to come and by his dying and rising, he imputes to me by his work, by the work of Christ, he imputes his righteousness to me. And God says, if you receive that by faith, you're in, that's it. But see what people in the world goes, well, that's way too easy. It can't be that ordinary and simple. That, that can't be all there is to it. Surely we have to go do something because we've been trained in this culture that we always have to do something. We have to earn it. Surely God, you're gonna say to me, bring me the broomstick of the wicked witch and now you're in. But that's, that's not what God says. And people get offended by that because it's just ordinary. Now, people who actually think they can save themselves, if you believe that you have a righteousness in you, that you're a good person, you can save yourself. Those people are attracted to Buddhism and Islam and Hinduism because those are all works-oriented faiths. I'm gonna try to achieve these levels. I'm gonna work my way up to heaven. Christian faith says, no, that ain't how it works. I can't ever earn my way there. I just need to accept what? The, the gift of my salvation in Christ. We go, it can't be that easy. Second Kings 5, Naaman, this, this pretty well-known famous general, he's a commander of armies and he's got leprosy. So he, he goes to Elijah, Elisha. And he says, hey man, I need you to heal me. And he's got like this huge army behind him and he's got a sword and he's like, tell me what I have to do. And Elisha's busy, he's, you know, he's a prophet. He's got a very full schedule. He's on a conference call and he says, you know, I'm sorry. He goes, name it, just go wash in the Jordan. You'll be fine. Well, Naaman's incensed. He's like the Jordan, that's a commoner's river. Surely you should send me to some great river, some uncommon place because I'm an uncommon man. I'm an extraordinary man. Elisha goes, I hate to break the news to you, but you're not. Just go wash in the Jordan and you'll be healed. And so that's what Naaman does. The message is pretty ordinary. It's pretty simple. And it's what tells us who we are in this room. You know what the message of the gospel is? There's nobody in here who's better than anybody else. Nobody in here who's worse. We all have a common problem of our sinful hearts and our need for Jesus. And it's the simple truth of the gospel. Now we kind of lean to being a little elder brotherish, don't we? Where do we, where do we chafe in the faith? Don't we chafe a little bit at deathbed conversions? You know, there's some ax murderer, right? And he's on death row and you read about in the paper and five minutes before he goes, he, it says a chaplain prayed with him to receive Christ and now he's going to heaven and we go, well, that's not fair. That guy did what he wanted all his life and he comes in the last five minutes and he gets in. I've worked hard to follow Jesus. <laughs> that can't possibly be right. Well, now you're acting like the elder brother because you're like, you can't be happy for somebody else because for you, it's been the burden of doing. People, 
the ordinary nature of the message of the gospel is it's a gift. It's very ordinary and simple. All we have to do is receive it. And that's why people get offended by it. Because they're like, it can't be that easy. But it is. Secondly, I think, and this is probably my favorite part, we Christians, we're a pretty ordinary, unimpressive bunch, aren't we? That's just who we are. When we all go home at night, we all gotta brush our teeth, I hope. <laughs> we all gotta do our laundry. But, but the world outside the church sees us in this different way and they put this on us. And, and so what is the church always accused of being? We're always accused of being hypocrites, right? Oh, you Christians, you talk about the Bible and how God loves you and then look at you. You know, you do all those crazy dumb things. Well, of course we do, because what is the gospel? The gospel attracts messy, broken people. So by definition, the church is gonna be full of people who just aren't that impressive. We're just ordinary folks. But there's this expectation that, oh, if you have God inside of you, I would expect to see way more. I want extraordinary out of you. And what they get is common. And that's why the message of the gospel is always, don't look at me. I'm here because I need Jesus. I'm in the church to say, don't look at me, look at Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. Don't look at the Christians, look at Christ. But lest you think that just because you're not particularly impressive, nor am I, that God can't use us. Remember Numbers 5. All right, this is kind of my go-to whenever I feel bad about myself. I just remember Numbers 5. There's this guy named Balaam, and he's not paying attention to what God's telling him. He's not listening to God. So do you remember who God uses to be the vessel of his word in Balaam's life? Do you remember this? Balaam's ass becomes the mouthpiece of God. So if God can do that, I feel better about myself. <laughs> right? There's nothing special about me, but if he can do that, if he can use an animal to bear the word of God, then he can use little old David Swanson. If you haven't read C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, then let me just ask that you make that next on your list. Uh, the Screwtape Letters is this marvelous book where C.S. Lewis is writing as a senior demon and he's trying to counsel a junior demon on how to keep the new convert away from God. And so he writes in this one particular place, he says, now work hard, senior demon says to junior demon, work hard on the disappointment that comes on the believer after the first few weeks. I, I, I love that because so often we come to Christ, we have that big moment, you know, some of us did, but even when you come to a, even a renewal moment, it's like, oh, God is so real. But then two or three weeks later, the emotions fade a little bit and you get back into ordinary life. And the senior demon says, capitalize on that. And what he says is this, when he gets to his pew in church, where we are, and he looks around, make sure he's near people who sing out of tune, have boots that squeak, have large double chins and dress in odd clothes. Make sure you help him believe that the religion must therefore somehow be ridiculous. See, 
Man, if we look at all the other Christians, I'm gonna think this Christian faith is pretty ridiculous. Look at us. Right? We're just ordinary people. But oh, God has come into our ordinariness and he's present in our lives nonetheless as we broken people seek to follow Christ. So the message is pretty ordinary. The Christians are definitely ordinary. But here's the other thing. Christ, Jesus Christ, is actually a pretty ordinary human being. And I'm not saying that in any heretical way. Don't go run out of here and go, oh, Dr. Swanson said Jesus was an ordinary human. He was at the same time he was fully divine, all right? So I'm not saying anything heretical about his nature, but, but remember, Jesus came to the earth in an ordinary way and remember that the ministry of Jesus, and I'm not saying he didn't do incredible miracles. I'm not saying that he didn't do extraordinary things, raising people from the dead and being raised himself. Absolutely. But that was only three years of a 33-year life. What do you think he did the other 30 years? He was just a guy, just an ordinary human being, trying to figure out how to be a good carpenter, trying to be in relationship with his parents, trying to have relationships with other people. We see in his earthly life, even in the midst of all these great things was what? Hunger, tears, grief. He led a very pedestrian, normal human life that every single one of us lead. So if that's the life that Jesus led, then what can we expect about our discipleship? It's not gonna be glamorous. And this is where I think so many people in Christian faith and so many churches, we, we kind of lost our way a bit because we've become so experiential. We want everything to be big and showy and wow. And so churches today are all about the wow factor. Come to worship and it's gonna be like, get Disney, woo! But see, I'm, I want us to do our best to the glory of God. But I'm not gonna try to wow you with what's up here because guess what? God can wow you all on his own. I want you to be wowed by the guy who sits on the throne. And so Jesus, in his very mundane, ordinary life, shows us that being a disciple may not have the wow factor all the time. Maybe every once in a while you hit a mountaintop, but it's not glamorous to open up your Bible in the morning and read the word. Nobody's gonna stand next to you and applaud. There won't be a laser light show to follow. No, no one's, it's not glamorous to get up 15 minutes early because you know you need to be in prayer. Not glamorous to go and visit your coworker in the hospital because they've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. It's not glamorous to say to your wife, honey, I think we've reached a point where we need to go get some help in our marriage. You know, discipleship is a long obedience. Eugene Peterson said, a long obedience in the same direction. And in fact, that's the beauty of our ordinary lives because what happens after this? Jesus can't do any miracles. 
And so he's getting ready to leave and he pulls his disciples together and he says, okay, guys, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna send you out two by two. And if you encounter someone who rejects the message, no sweat, knock the dust off your shoes, move on. When you find somebody who accepts the truth and the hope you offer, settle down, stay there, build the kingdom. Doesn't, doesn't it blow your mind that, that that's what God does all the time, that God picked ordinary Israel, this little weak, wormy, he says in, in Isaiah, this weak, wormy nation, no power, no prestige, no money. He goes, Israel, I'm gonna use you. And then he uses prostitutes and tax collector. And then he picks these 12 guys. And you go, what in the world is he thinking? No education, a bunch of fishermen that can't even fish well. Every time you come upon them in the New Testament, their nets are broken, <laughs> right? And then he picks us. He picks the ordinary people of the world and he infuses us by his presence, which is why Paul says in Corinthians, we're clay pots, but we're a treasure inside. Remember Isaiah 40, it says, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Well, who's that happening to? It's happening to the people that have no strength. They need their strength renewed. It's happening to me and you. I love that aerodynamic engineers have figured out that the wings of a bumblebee are too weak and too thin and the body too heavy, too weighty for a bumblebee to actually fly. Bumblebees, however, don't know this. And so they fly anyway. Man, there's a lot about us that just at the end of the day, <laughs> looks like it shouldn't work. But the love of God has come in the most ordinary way and he's hallowed your ordinary lives. He says, I'll be your God and you will be my people and I will love you and redeem you. And then I will send you out two by two into community so that you can be my instrument in the world. You know, I love now taking a walk on common way because I realized I misunderstood the word. It doesn't mean common as in useless, but instead it means common as in shared. That together we live a common, ordinary human experience but Jesus came in a common, ordinary way so that all that we experience in this ordinary life becomes sacred and holy when we do it together. That's the kind of street I wanna live on. That's the kind of church I wanna be part of where we are decidedly unimpressed with each other and at the same time so grateful for the love that we have for each other and the love that God has for us in Christ that he would choose us. So whatever you're doing tomorrow, my bet is, it's not gonna be that exciting. If, you know, me, I'm gonna blow my nose a lot. It's, 
Not gonna be a really great, exciting day. But in all the ordinary moments tomorrow, every one of them is infused by the presence of God because he loves you and he wants you to be his servant. Let us pray. Lord, too often we look at the mundane and the routine and we think less of ourselves. We think, I wish I had a more exciting life. I wish I didn't have to get bogged down in like paying my bills, disciplining my children, going to work. But Lord, that's exactly where you came in Jesus. You were just an ordinary guy who lived in obscurity, doing ordinary things for 30 years. And by your presence now, you make holy all the ordinary things that we do. Lord, tomorrow and in the days to come, help us to see that and to see that you can use every one of them to demonstrate your kingdom. We ask this and lift this up to you for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing our closing hymn, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. all the elements in the service, we were going to be running long, so we just sang one verse of our closing hymn. Our, uh, our prayer room is open through this door to my left if you'd like to uh, have someone pray for you. And it doesn't have to be some grand thing. It can just be an ordinary, everyday prayer request. We'd be honored to share in that with you. Or if you want to know more about how to uh, know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. I'll be down front visiting with people, and, and uh, Jack Peebles is here as well, so find one of us, and we'll discuss that together. As you go today, I pray that you'll go with a new perspective, number one, on each other, that there's no one greater and no one lesser. We're all in this together, because we're all a mess, and we all need Jesus, so let's just get the other stuff out of the way. We're all one in that. But as you go into your very normal life, know that Jesus goes with you and he's made all the normal things sacred out of his love for you and his love for the world. So go be his servant as you live for his kingdom with his blessing in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.